Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Timothy Plain. And I'm Mallard Purcell. Each week we discuss filmmaking topics and give you our point of view on them, not as experts, but as two filmmakers trying to figure it out for ourselves. I don't know how much filmmaking stuff I have in me today. I've been traveling around the country for the past week. All right, tell us all about it. Well, we had about a week to figure out how to shoot an ice road trucker in May. Is it May? No, it's April. April. Uh, Ice road trucker story and then a story about a copper mine worker. I was up in Fairbanks, Alaska for a few days, and then we flew from there to uh, Tucson, Arizona, and then drove to Bisbee, which is a small town just about seven miles from the border of Mexico. And uh, it's an old copper mining town, and there's still a copper mine there. Wait, so. but is that connected? Uh, the copper mine and ice road truckers are, are, two, are the same thing? <laughs> they're, no, they're two different okay. stories. Two different spots. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. And then I guess like the cool thing about it was just, I was talking to the producer trying to figure out like, how do you even start with a, a job like that? You have the entire world at your disposal. Where would you go? And then the same thing with the copper mine. Like, where do you find an active copper mine that's going to let you walk on and shoot? Is that what you had to figure out? Or did you have someone, did you? No. So that's why we hire production companies to figure that stuff out for oh. us. So I was talking to the producer and I was like, how do you, how do you even start with that? And she's like, well, it really comes down to just the production community talking to each other. And you just say, has anybody heard about something being shot kind of like around these types of locations? And she says, I just rely on my friends. And then you just start reaching out and talking to people and you talk to local scouts and you ask them, like, especially with something like snow, you're like, go out there right now and take some pictures and like, don't bullshit me. Don't bullshit me to get me out there and, and shoot. Like, I want to know that there's snow right now. Right. So they actually, there was a few false leads during that week about where we were going to shoot. At one point, we were going to go to to Yukon Territory in Canada and shoot up near Dawson. And then that the uh, locations got there ended up having lied to us that there's snow, that there wasn't. It, it all melted. Wow, that's funny. Yeah, I uh, I worked on a piece um, where I was supposed to find snow. What was I? Well, I needed desert and snow in the same uh, little commercial piece. And so I would just call hotels in areas oh, that's and cool. just be like, hey, yeah. is there snow? Hey, what's going on here? <laughs> you know, and do it that way. And that worked pretty well. Um but it's interesting to hear from your perspective that you don't even that you hire someone to do that for you, <laughs> that you guys don't even right. do that work because it's like, yeah, what well, Studio B they used to do that too. They would like like research and find like like a lot of like one job they did was like trying to find um, interview subjects for this piece. Uh, what well, I can't remember what company it was for, but for some company and they it was like some banking company or something. And so they like got a list of all the customers from the bank and then they like interviewed like, I don't know, it was something like 14 or 16 different families to find two families in the end to do the thing about. And then they had like, like real people. Yeah, so it was one woman's job. Like it was like a associate producer basically who's like did all that interview work for like two weeks to like find the right, the right families to focus on, you know? And, yeah. Uh, well, I think it's it's. Go ahead. You're you're. Well, still I don't talking. know. I just think it's. I don't know. I was done. You... Well, I was gonna. <laughs> for my company and like the producers that work for us, there's been conscious decisions made about what our responsibilities are and how far we're gonna go into 
line producing territory and they're they're kind of drawing a line in the sand about like where where our duties end and a line producers begin so it's not really my job to to do all the legwork of like finding a location or setting up casting sessions or hiring crew i've done that stuff before but it's not really what most agency producers do we we typically just manage the entire project and and facilitate all the discussions around production both internally and with the client um, so we represent the production part of it but we're not doing a lot of the work we're hiring people to do it sounds for us. cushy <laughs> it is pretty cushy i mean it's pretty in terms of like a producing job it's a really nice producing job because yeah you a lot of the stress is not on you 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 give it to somebody else and then you're like how's it going what'd you guys find yeah, out but you still are part of the process and you still make decisions and you're still there the whole time you know so you, you're gonna get the best yeah. of both worlds like you don't i would say what what they kind of tell us is that we're the third creative on a team so it ends up becoming a creative job just as much as it becomes like a producing job so as a producer, you understand like how productions work and like what's possible, and what's not possible. And you have to understand like what uh, the rules are around SAG actors or sometimes some of the union rules for crews. It's kind of knowing a lot of stuff. It's more like being an EP where you're like advising and, and, and telling people kind of the realities behind production in all those meetings. So that way the production company doesn't have to be in all the meetings with the, the creatives and the account team and the clients. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like cool. It sounds cool. It sounds, you know, it's like a, it's like you're getting a, a certain, you know, set of responsibilities that you're, that you just do in your job completely, which is like in, in smaller companies, I think would be just be part of what the producer does in certain cases, you know, or they're either sometimes they'll be answering to people like you, or sometimes they won't even be answering to people like you at all. They'll just be dealing directly with a client and, you know, managing their own team or whatever. Yeah. So hopefully if, if I do my job right, I'm actually helping everyone out. And I think that my experience as a filmmaker sometimes comes into play on these productions, especially the smaller they are. It's like when I don't have money to hire somebody to do it, I can jump in and do it, which not a lot of producers can. What that looks like for me is editing. Like I do a lot of editing on my own because ed hiring an editor can get expensive. So sometimes I'll just be like, all right, I'll just put it together or I'll open up After Effects and, and play with the graphics project or help do some like small little visual effect. So those things are really cool to like be a part of the process where I'm needed. So for me, it's like filling in the gaps. Like wherever I see a gap, I'm like, all right, I'll jump into that little gap. Or like being on set sometimes, like I've, I've had to jump into a position where I'm almost like a first AD on a shoot because the production company didn't have somebody like mm, that. Interesting. Yeah, well, that's cool. It's nice to have all those skills to be able to do that, you know? Yeah, I mean, my favorite jobs are the ones where I don't have to do anything and I can really just like go hang out and, and watch it with everyone with very little stress. That's kind of the fun of it is that it can be really cushy. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, you're, you know, you're like an executive almost, you know, you're like a, uh, a creative producer or I don't know what yeah, you call it. Call it, it. Is. Uh, agency producer is a pretty snazzy title. I like that. Yeah. Agency producer. Um, so, so what yeah, are you doing now? Cool. When, when are you going on your vacation? 
Um, I think it's like two weeks from today. Okay, so we have more episodes yeah. to do together before you leave. Yeah, we have, I think, one more because this comes out next week. Or actually, we'll, we'll record two. Yay. Yay. I think we are we have a guest coming on next week. Oh, do week. we? <laughs> I didn't know about that. <laughs> yeah. I've kind of like arranged a few guest episodes. Okay. Um, one of them is Hassan Saeed, which is a friend of mine that lives in LA. He used to work at the agency and he has made some really amazing short films. And I remember when he left the agency, I was like, oh man, this dude's going to make it way before I do. But he's still down in LA struggling and I want to find out wow, why. Crazy. And is that our first guest? I think he might be next week. Yeah, it's either him or Evan Kidd, who you know about. And if it's Evan, we got to watch his feature really quick because (laughs) (laughs) Son of Clowns is his feature and we're going to have him come on. I think he did it for $3,000 and he shot it in North Carolina, Mm. which is cool from a lot of different angles. One is that he pulled off a feature for $3,000 and then the other that he shot it outside of a big city that has a lot of crew support, but he's also like, no, there's a lot of people. There's like a small, not a lot. There's a, there's what is a small film community in North Carolina where he grew up, where he wanted to shoot his movie. And it'll be interesting to hear how he pulled those people together. Cause I, one of the questions I asked him was, do you think you got your movie done for 3000 because you shot it outside of a big city? And he said, no, he thinks he could have done it in LA or San Francisco or New York for the same amount. Well, he doesn't, I mean, I'm I'm wondering if it's really $3,000. I wonder if he's considering food costs (laughs) into that because food costs are a big part of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe he didn't feed lying. his crew, but you know, that, that won't, <laughs> you know, you could not get away with that in uh, the Bay area. I mean, maybe you could, if you meant certain people, but I don't know, like a real crew, like, you know, they would not work for, for, uh, no food, you know, that's like yeah. the first thing. So we'll talk to him and we will poke holes in his $3,000 budget. Yeah. I, I'm really excited to see the movie, to see what it looks like. Um, you know, see the trailer look good. I haven't even watched the trailer. Oh, come on. I know. Man. I'm terrible. What have you been doing? What have you been working well, on? Well, you know, I mean, I, I was on that movie and then I was, um, doing, uh, it's done now, right? You're done. Script, done supervising? script supervising. Yeah. Um, yep. Completely done with that. I just did. I wrote one last email with, with some information for the, uh, for the editor yesterday. So that's like. Cool. Officially, I'm done. I, I probably have to turn in the the binder to somebody at some point, but right now I just have it here still all ready to go. Um, And yeah, and like the bro- brother's been out for a week now. Um, Actually, a week. Yeah, it's been exactly today. a week. Yeah, and um, you know, it was, uh, it's been kind of a tough launch, sort of just like the Over My Dead Body one. Um, It was, it was interesting because it like did did pretty good on the first day and then you know it didn't do so good over the weekend and then it started to like get go up again and it was like getting the the graph was starting to turn in the up, opposite direction and then on um on Thursday uh like I had a really great conversation with Capone on Wednesday about it and like how he was really excited and I can't you know he'd been doing this promotional work but he's just getting started he's really going to put his heart into promoting it um moving forward and then um, I didn't really promote it a big on Thursday and he didn't promote it big on Thursday. I'm sure he's just like traveling and going to a show or something. Um, and the numbers went way down. And then today it's like 
way down. Like it's just, it's like almost a, a complete halt. I, I just think that I need to keep on, like do what I actually said I was going to do. Like, like really be more diligent about the promotion because like I was really good about it, you know, till yesterday, Wednesday and Thursday, I kind of really didn't do a lot. Yeah. To, and today I haven't done anything yet. So I, I just have to, you know, I sent like a bunch of emails yesterday to people to, to some more websites and stuff, but I didn't really do a lot of social media work yesterday. So I think the, really the social media stuff is really what makes a big difference. And, um, I don't know. I got to figure like what to do like for Monday next week, maybe do a press release or something like through Fiverr. They have all these like different things where they can send, you know, information to a whole bunch of different, different people, different news outlets across the world or across the country. So maybe I'll do one of those for 20 bucks and see what that, ha what happens. Maybe I'll just keep on tweeting it out to people, see what happens. So what's your, what are some of the stats right now? Where, how many places have you been written up in? How many counts do you have on Vimeo? And then tell me how Strange Thing is doing on YouTube on the CG Bro Brother show. has two actual reviews and then I think three additional write-ups on top of those two reviews. So I think five, well, six, yeah, counting comedy hype, six, six total write-ups and reviews. Which isn't bad, you know, it could, could be worse. I know there's at least one more coming and maybe even two more. So that's kind of nice to know that they're out, they're out there gonna, gonna happen. It's got 940 views, I guess, which isn't super terrible. I mean, I wish it was more, but I mean, to, to be almost at a thousand after a week, I mean, there's worse things that could happen in the world. <laughs> it's yeah. only gotten positive feedback. No one said anything negative. Uh, I haven't read one negative comment across every place it's appeared. I haven't gotten one really negative review or one negative email or tweet or Facebook message. Everyone loves it. There's no, nothing bad, which is like really interesting because it's like everyone's saying good things but again the view the view counts not where where i want it to be you know and i think it's just because it's hard to get people to watch a short film like we've always talked like we've been talking about you know mm -hmm. and then how about strange thing on youtube so i haven't checked it today but yesterday it, it, it was so it was sort of like kind of not doing as well as I thought it was going to do because I thought Monday it was going to explode because, you know, I thought the weekend was slow or whatever. I think it's something at like 18,000 now, which mm -hmm. I think That's is great. pretty good. It doesn't seem like it's got any, it's not slowing down at all. Like every day it gets somewhere between two, 2,000 around 2000 hits i think yeah that's what i experienced too is almost exactly 2000 yeah so it just seems like it's going up and it seems like it's per it's performing pretty favorably compared to other ones um i'm just gonna check it right now 19,800 so last time i checked it was Ooh. at 18,300 last night now it's almost at 20,000 <laughs> um so yeah i guess <laughs> what it's do you, doing what do you think of the youtube comments YouTube comments are overly favorable. There's some that have sugar and spice mixed in. Um, you know, <laughs> I like how there's people in the comments that are like giving you reviews or giving you uh, like um, it's almost like film school. They're like, here's a few things that I didn't I didn't really like about it. A lot of people point out the door, the reveal of the door, which you already know is a problem. Oh yeah, I don't think it's a problem. <laughs> 
Oh, really? I thought we talked about it. You wish that you would have done it a little differently. I know. The problem seems... <laughs> could be better. Let's just yeah, say it, it could, could be, be better. better. Right. It wasn't... It wasn't... CBB. Yeah, it wasn't my... It wasn't how I envisioned it. And, it. and if I was to do it again, I would choose different shots for the opening part of the movie. Um, just because... Just shots that, that featured the wall more... Really, I don't think about it. The door reveal—it is the door reveal. Obviously, that is the is is the issue. But it, I think of it more as like the fact that we couldn't see that there wasn't a door. You know, that right. is, is what I don't think sells is that there was no door, and now there is a door. That's the big, the big visual miscommunication in that in the opening. Not that many people mentioned it. I think like a handful did. But you know, the the worst comments I got was like boring, terrible. Acting's terrible. Stupid story. <laughs> Stupid story. <laughs> right. Bad acting. Uh, CG monsters. Okay, you know, uh, like that kind of stuff. I like I like some fun ones. Like they like you know smartest man in a sci-fi movie. I thought that was funny. There were some sexist ones that I wasn't necessarily fond of. That it was interesting. People are people are reacting to it in in different ways, and it's fun to see see people react to your film. Yeah. I liked it too. I like what I like reading through the YouTube comments. Yeah. They're definitely you're right. They're they're way more spicy than Vimeo comments. Vimeo comments are very tame for the most part. Um, YouTube they they go they go right to the jugular, you know. But I'm excited about um, Strange Thing on on CG Bros because I'm hoping that in a few weeks it can climb to uh, to fifty thousand. And then between Vimeo and, and YouTube, I'll have 100,000 hits on the thing. And I think for yeah, like 100,000 awesome. hits, for some reason, just feels like a landmark to me that I want to reach for uh, a narrative short. I'm excited yeah. for that to happen. It almost feels like it's inevitably inevitable that it'll happen. It's just whether or not how long it'll take it to happen. Right. You know? It might take longer than yeah. a week. But, you know, I, I keep on looking at uh, CG Bros and, like, some of their, their short films that have been up there for, like, a year or whatever. And some of them have, like, 600,000 million hits, you know? So I'm, I'm just kind of curious t- to see what the legs are on this thing. Like, like will it continue to grow like those have or will it die off? Like, what's the... What's the yeah, future? Yeah, how does that happen? Is it because those got written up somewhere or is it just because of YouTube constantly pushing like the next film? Like if you like this one, you might like this one. Yeah. And if yours has a, the right description tags to another popular film, then maybe you'll get pushed to a bunch of people. Yeah, I have no idea. But uh, yeah, I have no idea but it's, either. It's definitely but, nice to, to have one movie be doing like really well at the same time that the other movie's not doing as well. You know, I was I wasn't thinking I was gonna do this, but but my but Beth was just like, like, well, why don't you send uh, the, these guys a uh, brother? Why isn't brother on the same website? And I was like, well, because brother only has one visual effects sequence, and I don't know if they'd want it. Blah blah blah. And she's like, well, don't be stupid. Just send it into them. Like, let let them decide if they want it or not. Yeah, all they can say. So is I sent no. it to them a couple of days ago, and I, you know, they they haven't gotten back to me yet. But I I, I don't know. Feel like. They they responded to me in, in exactly one week when I uh, sent them strange things. So I wonder if they'll take a week to think about brother first. But I mean, if that ended up happening, that would obviously solve a lot of problems because maybe it won't perform as well as strange thing does. But I mean, it obviously will perform better than it is on Vimeo. So. Yeah, I mean, within the the first hour, you'll probably get more hits than you have on Vimeo. Yeah, totally. I was just gonna say. So now that your script supervising job's over, brother's out in the world. What else? What's next? 
you have to ed- edit the rage and release that. Is that what you're going to yeah, focus on? Or are you focused on the alternate? Yesterday, um, which is oh, really, yeah. really great. And it's a lot of fun to jump into that project. And that movie is probably the first movie that I've shot that has the least amount of coverage of anything I've ever shot. Mm-hmm. And how's that working out? Well, it's making me make the decisions I made on set and in pre-production in, in the edit room. <laughs> it's like, these are the decisions I have to work with. And it's, it's almost like, it's almost freeing in some way because you know, like that they say like, Oh, when you have more restrictions, um, sometimes you have, you could be more creative the more restricted you are. Cause like you have to figure out the one way to solve the problem rather than, you know, have all these choices to choose from. And like, you get lost in the choices. This sort of is making me like be more creative with what I have to work with. Like, I think one of the big things is actually your, you know, Hey, this is, this is a nice thing to say about you. Your advice was don't edit with the sound and don't edit with music and don't even think about that right now. And I'd been doing that originally. Like I had like music in or whatever. And I just, decided to say fuck that shit like i'm not gonna have like music involved and and you know i have some audio in there now but i might even take some of that out and then i i don't know i might just leave it in and then i have these two guys i met on on uh the valley the, the sound team um rob and jeremiah who are like fucking the coolest guys in the whole world like i love these guys like every day we would like joke around and just have a a blast on sets like when everyone else was like stressed out like the director she was she was always like you guys you three are always smiling everyone else when everyone else is pissed off you guys are always smiling like how do you guys do that we're like i don't know we're just bullshit (laughs) and uh but they're but they're really talented too and um you know i'm gonna send them the the rough cut of this and see if they have any um any ideas because the, the, not only do they do location sound together but they've also both done post on a film together so like one has done like the composing and the other one's done the um, the sound mixing so they totally like love to work as a team and stuff and, and they they knew each other since doing sound in college and stuff like that I'm I'm excited to get them on board you know and see if they're they got something to to add to this whole thing because the sound design is really like 50% of this movie, you know, because we might not even do dialogue. We might take all the, di- the all the words out of it completely, like because there was no words written. It was always just uh, looks and stuff. Um, but we just had I just to, to be natural. I just had them ad lib on set because like, obviously you wouldn't, you know, no, no one's just going to like be connecting with weird glances and uh, i guess my idea is to maybe like you know show the mouths moving but just not actually hear the words you know and just like kind of hear other things so we'll see we'll see if how that works out the bottom line is i'm excited to be editing it again and uh you know last time i sat down at the computer to edit it i was feeling really like bad about it you know and now i'm feeling uh really good about it and i'm excited good you got some space from it yeah and I That's think good. also being able to just focus on it and not being focused on, you know, trying to get my other movie out and then, you know, trying to produce right. this Korean American movie. It's like, you know, just being focused on this, it, it really helps. That's cool. I just wanted to say, uh, clarify one thing. The reason I said to not edit with sound or music was this was a tip I picked up from an editor I worked with. Like he said that if it's a really good edit, then it'll have its own rhythm to it. And you can drop in music afterwards and it'll match up like really nice. So 
if you the, if you go the other way around though, and you try to edit to the music, then you'll end up kind of forcing the pace of your edit to match to that music, and then you you'll have no choice but to work with that music that you've you've put in there. So it's better if you edit without music, especially if you're going to score it, and then let the composer kind of find the natural rhythm of of the piece. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. As soon as I took the music out, I was able to just watch it and just like sort of be like, okay, good, 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 okay, and it could should cut now and then it's like okay yeah, boom right. cut, and then make the cut there and then just work that way because i could just feel the cuts visually rather than yeah exactly to like yeah get That's bogged good. down by like oh this song is this even the right song right. like is this even what i want it to sound like <laughs> like i don't yeah. even know man it's like <laughs> and then if you if you change your mind on the song like two minutes into the piece and then you put something new on there then you have to go re-edit those two minutes because they no longer work to the new pieces of music and yeah it can it can get hard i was gonna say it's challenging to not edit with music because we're so used to seeing things finished that not having a lot of experience seeing things unfinished and just like very very raw and imagining how it's all going to come together it is kind of a scary thing like you my natural instinct is always to put all the stuff in it to make it feel as close to a finished film as possible but that can be to your detriment sometimes if i if i gave a cut to the the sound designers with a music track in there i'm already meddling in their creative process in, in, in a way that I don't <laughs> right. want to necessarily yeah. meddle. Yeah. I should let them, you know, I should just give them some notes, give them some references and give them like an emotion and then let them take it from there. That's really what's going to make something beautiful anyways. And I don't really want to use popular music anyways, because that's kind of part, part of what I had in there was like, you know, pop music to be played like in the bar or whatever. But I'd rather them create their own pop music, you know, or their own sound or whatever it ends up being. Like, maybe it isn't going to be music. Maybe it's going to be something completely different, like, uh, you know, um, under the skin style. So we'll, we'll see, you know. Well, I'm glad you have something else to work on. That's great. I'm like struggling trying to figure out what my next project is. Never give up. Never surrender. Yeah, totally, man. I mean, uh, never giving up. I mean, we, I could I have more to talk about, but I mean, we can we can talk about that in in the context of never giving up. And uh, I don't know, maybe should I introduce this, this whole concept of never giving up and why? Yeah. Tell us what you're thinking. Like I got kind of depressed, you know, brother didn't do as well on the first day or the first weekend as, as I wanted to. And I, you know, I didn't get written up in all the places I wanted to and all that stuff. And so I just like kind of felt defeated a little bit, but I mean, immediately started to think it's like, well, like, what are you even upset about? <laughs> you know, like, all, like especially since all the feedback that's that's coming from it is positive it's like you just need to not not let this affect the way that i live my life and and who i am as a filmmaker part of it is continuing to advertise it and promote it and not not just like letting it be left alone that's one part of it but the other thing is like okay well you made a movie it obviously didn't connect with people a hundred percent the way that you wanted it to, you know, it's definitely connecting with some people just as you want it to. And you're hearing wonderful stories from different people who've seen it, who are having the reactions and even better than, than what you'd hope for. It's funny. It's like the, almost hearing one of those stories is, is almost enough for me. You know, if like one person like gushes to me about how, how, how much they were affected by the film, it's like, Oh my God, this is amazing. I, sorry, I got sidetracked, but the whole point is, it's like, okay, well, now what can I do better on the next one, you know? And luckily for me, I have the next one to work on already. So I'm, like, already jumping into an edit and, like, thinking about the audience experience, like, really 
closely as I edit this movie. But it also just makes me think in general, it's like, okay, well, you want to be a filmmaker, like, oh, this didn't work, this release didn't work out as you planned, or da da da, this didn't, you know, happen as as you wanted it to. Like, you know, you're, you're not, you know, you don't have a, a million hits and you're not getting rid of, written up in variety or whatever. Like, I mean, which would never happen, but I mean, you know, you have the fantasy, right? So, right. anyways, I mean, it's just like, okay, well, who cares? Like, you have a movie that you want to get made. You have this the, the alternate, the script, you know, like do everything that you possibly can to to get the movie made, you know. So I've already been meeting with some people and talking to um, producers about um, about the project. I'm basically committing myself to rewriting it by basically this time next week, you know, to have like a new draft that is, um, you know, that I, I'm more proud of as far as like certain character stuff goes, you know, and, and I really want to get that draft onto the blacklist. Like that's my big goal now is to get the next level of the draft done and be really, really proud of it, really happy with it. And then like, you know, pay the fee to have it listed on the, on the blacklist for like, I don't know, maybe three months or something. And then just see if anything comes from that, which again is probably like, you know, pie in the sky style, but you know, it's like, <laughs> maybe I'll get some wonderful, I'll pay for their feedback. Maybe they'll give me some really great feedback. That'll be useful into rewriting the next draft. Maybe I'll meet somebody on there who, who can give me some advice. Maybe I'll just be able to call the script done so I can move forward with the other things in fundraising. But it's interesting. I did talk to one producer. They totally agreed with what you had said, said about fundraising before about like, you know, it's probably not wise to have 30 or 40 different investors all for $1,000 each that you really want to get one person. Because if if you raise twenty to $50,000 through whatever, a whole shit ton of people, and they're all investments, then you bring that to an investor that looks like a way, like not as a good situation for the new investor. Because they're already got to deal with all these other investors and they don't get to have as big of a piece of the pie in the end, it, a lot of these investors you're going to go to, like $250,000 isn't going to be a shit ton of money to them necessarily. It's like they'd probably rather own the whole movie for that that amount than, right, than, than sharing with 40 exactly, other people. Like, oh, now, I, okay, well, now I have to like, you know, whatever, share 20% of it even with 40 other people. Like, that's a pain in my ass I don't need, you know? Um, so <laughs> right. I, I guess the advice was to sort of wait and approach traditional investors first and then see what's going on. And this, this producer, I know she guess she has some connections to some people. I don't know if I'm going to actually get in these meetings. Who knows? At least I can try. And then her other advice was, cause she's done a lot of crowdfunding before. She said that like, start with the crowdfunding campaign because it does like, they don't have equity. They don't have film. equity. You get you get your chunk of money, and you also get a chunk of fans too, and and publicity through it. Right. So she's like, basically, it works in a lot of different levels to do the crowdfunding first. But in order to do a really good crowdfunding campaign, you have to have a really good teaser trailer or video to go with it. And it's just right. like, well, shit, I don't have the money to like do that. <laughs> you know, like I need, I would need to raise the money uh. to do the teaser if I wanted to do a crowdfunding campaign. I'm basically trying to avoid that if I can, or, or at least make that par a part of a plan that happens later after I raise some money. I don't, I don't really want to do that. I mean, and I guess not all crowdfunding campaigns have had a teaser trailer. Like there was one that I knew that was just the, the filmmakers talking about the project and there was no f actual footage shot. You know, it was just, just talking heads describing the project, you know, and they, and they were successful. I think that's probably less, 
doable these days, but uh, I don't know. I mean, that's still something that I could try if I had to. Well, you just combined both of our subjects into one. Did I? Yeah. Sorry. So what should I do? I'll, I'll tackle the first one first. So never giving up. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. They go together, I guess. But yeah, anyways, you're right. I, a little I bit. Did, yeah. I did, I did do that. Never giving up. Um, I think you're you're basically talking about results-oriented thinking versus process-oriented thinking. Like if you only care about the results, you're probably going to stop making films quickly if you get discouraged. Yeah. If you're like one of those people that's like, I'm doing it because I want to make it into Sundance or I'm doing it because I want a million hits on YouTube, you're going to get really discouraged when it doesn't happen. And then you might, yeah, just stop making movies. We've talked about this before. You got to focus on the things you have control over and you have no control over whether or not a movie resonates with an audience, whether or not people see it, whether or not Short of the Week wants to post it up on their site whether or not people are going to like it once they do see it. So I think you just have to take whatever you do get when it's finished and and think about how do I become a stronger filmmaker as a result from it. So I know you haven't gotten a lot of criticisms on, what's it called? Brother? Brother. (laughs) I know you haven't got a lot of criticisms on Brother. You got a few things from Short of the Week and Film Shortage that have criticized why they, or explained why they're not putting it on their site. So at least you have a few things. Uh, I would just encourage you just to take the information you are getting and think about how you can apply that to the next project and try to make the next one better. That's all you can do. That's all you can control. Absolutely, man. I I totally agree. So as long as you're saying not giving up is not going to guarantee that you'll, you'll be successful, but it'll just help your happiness as a filmmaker. I'm on board with it, but I don't agree if you're saying that if you never give up, that eventually you'll achieve success. Cause I think that you might, push and push and push for something and you might never get it. Well, the definition of success, right? Like if, if you're saying, if you're saying like, I'm going to eventually, you know, win an Oscar, if I never give up, then yeah, I mean, that, that, that will might ne- never happen, you know, or probably will never happen. But if you're saying like, I'm going to be a filmmaker and I'm going to continue to make movies, well, that will be true, you know, as long as you never give up, you know, cause you'll keep, you know, if you don't stop, you'll keep on making them. And then, you know, by that definition, you'll, will be a filmmaker, you know, and whether or not you get fans, whether or not you have more people watching your movies, whether or not that translates into a career where money's involved, where you're actually getting paid to do it. That's all who, you, you know, I think that's all under the, you can't control that sort of side of it, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. I still think they, you know, you still shouldn't, it's still just don't give up because as soon as you give up, you, you, you fail. Right. But if you don't give up, you, you may never actually fail. Right. It's all about increasing your chances. So even your story about putting it up on the blacklist, the goal there is just to increase your chances that something's going to happen, but you're not putting all your eggs into the blacklist basket saying, if it doesn't hit on blacklist i'm done like that's just one thing that you're right that's just one of many and i mean i think being being vocal about the project is is a big part of it too you know and like getting the materials together and then just passing them around to everybody that you can and just talking about it i mean eventually you're gonna find somebody who who's who's digging what you're throwing down you know whether that'll translate into an investment or to someone signing on as a producer or whatever that i don't don't really know i think it'll definitely result in something because if you keep on throwing throwing something out into the world eventually something's going to come back you know either whether it be like criticism or 
<laughs> right. Might not be positive. It could be right. Negative. But I mean, you're going to get feedback that you should be able to use to, to increase your chances of success in some way. Right. I think you just have to be realistic with yourself. And if never giving up means you're always like shooting for the moon and not reaching it, then maybe you need to shoot for something that's a little closer. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's my advice is like, I feel like some people, they just never give up on like that overnight success stream and they just want to like push just for the top stuff like i'm going to make a movie and i'm only going to submit it to the top three festivals and then if that doesn't work out i i might make another movie but i'll only submit to the top three festivals i'll keep doing that until i make it but i think if you really want to kind of build build up your skills as a filmmaker i think you got to like start small and like take baby steps towards that and if you if you come out the gate and you try it and it doesn't work out then you have to be honest with yourself and say well why why didn't my film get accepted and how can i like create a long-term plan to get there right yeah and i think well i have a couple things to say about that like first off like if you do the same thing over and over again with the same results isn't that like the um uh definition of right crazy. exactly so that's one thing like obviously if it's not working you have to try a different way or do, or change your process somehow. Uh and then the other thing I was going to say is that I don't know about film festivals anymore man. I feel like film festivals <laughs> you and me we're 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 down I mean, on film festivals. And, now. It's just like like okay like 20% of the film festivals are the ones you actually want to get into like 20% of of all the ones that exist in the world maybe even less maybe 15%. And then there's another like probably like 40% that are like kind of you know they're really trying they're they're trying to make the best experience possible they're trying to get the best movies they're trying to to run a great film festival but they're not necessarily there yet or they're not really at the level that they should be you know or whatever they don't have the amount of people showing up or they don't have the organization down or whatever you know they have some sort of issue and then what percentage is left it's like <laughs> like another 40% because 40, 20. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's so another 40% that are just shitty and are maybe trying to scam you. Maybe. <laughs> right. They're making money off of entry fees. Well, and... What do you even do as a filmmaker? Like you, you, you it's hard to discern oh. between the scammers and the ones who are actually trying to create a good experience. And then the ones that are, like the 15, 20, 20, 15% of like the ones that you really want to get into, those are like extremely difficult to get into, like really, really hard and like getting even harder. Anything that is a recognizable name is almost impossible to get into these days. As a filmmaker, what do you even do? Like, I mean, you obviously have to try, but it's like, well, shit, dude. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either because... I feel like that $500 that you spend on film festival entry fees is just better spent renting a theater and inviting all your friends and family to come see right. it. Right, or... And maybe anybody you know that might be connected to the industry in some way that's going to be a better audience for you and give you more opportunities than most film festivals would. And then you can put it online or even just take that $500 and put it towards figuring out how to get it out online and put some advertising behind Right, exactly. It. Or hire, hire some sort of publicist or digital marketing specialist to help you release the movie online and then just do an online online release that doesn't even involve a film festival. I kind of feel like that would probably be more valuable. It's like, you know, cause I, I mean, I probably spent on strange thing 
I easily spent $1,500 on submission fees, like easily, because I submitted to like 70 plus film festivals. I just take that $1,500 and put that towards marketing of the online release of some uh, somehow. And I obviously don't know the best way to do that yet. And it's I thought it would be easier to find like a publicist or some sort of digital marketing person who like has experience in promoting videos and content online, but I haven't found that person yet, you know? And I'm sure if you guys are out there listening, like get in touch with us. Like I'd love to know about these people and how to reach them. Like, I don't know if it's SEO specialist is the right person, but like somebody who understands how to promote a link online and how to get it to as many people as possible. And then the best, you know, the best advertising service to advertise with because YouTube, you can do Google AdWords, which I've heard is really good for Vimeo. I don't, you can't use Google AdWords. I use Facebook, but I mean, is there, there's gotta be a better service out there that you can use. I heard Facebook is actually like, like it's better at, there's more people watching videos on Facebook than there are on YouTube or something like, like that. Like the fa- the Facebook internal Facebook videos or just like links to other videos. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, um, even just watching like the the Cheeto stuff that I did recently and how they pushed it on Facebook because the video starts playing. Like maybe you upload it on Facebook, so the video starts playing. You can capture eyeballs in a different way than you can with like yeah, YouTube. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I was actually thinking about doing another Facebook campaign um, on Monday, maybe just like not linking it to the act to an article about the movie, but rather than just linking it to the direct link to Vimeo and then promoting that link because I think click throughs will go directly to the video and not to the article. And maybe that's more valuable. So I don't know. I'm going to try that. I think and maybe not because I spent like 200 bucks on the sponsored link that I did on Friday, but I think I'll probably spend maybe like a hundred dollars or something and then just see, see what that does. You know, maybe try to reach, I highlighted certain cities. Like I did like California and I think Los Angeles and I did uh, Atlanta, New York and, and Dallas uh, just because those are cities that I've heard Capone's well-known in. So I don't know. Maybe I'll do that again. Maybe I'll do some different ones, mix it up. It just, you know, it can't hurt. And it's only a hundred bucks, you know, like that's not, it's not a big yeah, deal. Well, let us know how it goes because it'd be fun to try to crack some of this stuff. Let's finish out this topic and move on to the last one. Um, I'll just say this, like, or just to kind of like let everyone else out there know, like you're not alone. Like I've, I've submitted to all the big festivals and got rejected. I've been attached to feature films that, that haven't materialized. I've lost screenplay competitions. I submitted to the Sundance Screenwriting Lab. I got rejected from that. I've never gotten millions of views on my films. Uh, they're all things that I've tried for and I didn't didn't make it. And it's discouraging, yeah. But over the years, like like Ulrich, I've just gotten to the point where like, well, I can't control any of that stuff and I'm I'm not going to quit. Like, this is just something that I have to do. Like, I know that deep down I'm, I'm just a creative person and I can't help but want to create stuff. So I'm just going to keep figuring out how to do it, even if the results don't look like I hope that they would. Yeah, that sounds that's an awesome speech. Awesome. That's awesome. Like, I couldn't rah, rah. say it better. But I mean, I it will say, too, that it's funny because all the things that you listed, 
are also things that I share in common with you. Like I've gotten rejected by all the big film festivals. I've gotten rejected by Sundance Labs. You know, I've gotten rejected from, you know, every grant that I've submitted to. And then I've also, I've never really been attached, officially attached to a feature film, but I've talked to people who said, oh yeah, we're going to make this movie. We want you to do this. We want you to do that. And then nothing happens. So, you know, I mean, I think it's, it's fun because like we're just two random people and we have, have that shared experience. And I wonder how many other people out there all, all could say the same thing. And it's just like, well, yeah, what do you do? It's like, well, you, you don't give up for one. And then you, you got to figure out other ways for people to see your work and other ways for you to, to move forward. Obviously, these traditional um, avenues aren't for everybody. We all know that. So like, what can you do to get your films done? You know, like, that's a question. And make them better. I feel like if you're not making your films better, you're wasting your time. Yeah, it should all it should money. all be about the audience experience, right? And I mean, you start with you, you as your, as the first audience member. And I think I love what we've talked about before about like deciding that we don't want to compromise as much with our um, uh, filmmaking, like our standards, like having high, high standards and continuing to have high standards and even pushing them higher. You know, like when we were talking to Colin Levy about um, Over My Dead Body, we were talking about this a lot. Yeah. Like never saying it's good enough, you know? Like yeah. I think that is all stuff that I've been trying to do. And, and I, I took that to heart with Brother. Like I really, really agonized over, well, everything. Like the the t-shirt design, the poster design, uh, like the visual effects sequence, like every single frame of that movie was like scrutinized and just really, really like sweated over. It's not getting all of the views I want, but I think the pot, the reactions are there. So I don't know. I, th- I like to think it was worth it to do all that. And I'm going to do that even more with the next one, more scrutinizing, more. Uh... <laughs> Good. Yeah. Just keep, keep putting that hat on and, and making sure that you're, trying to do better if you're just going through the motions and just making another film just to make another film i don't think that's helping yeah anyone. making a movie just to make a movie it's it's like you're making you need to be making a movie well i don't know i shouldn't say you need to be doing anything but i mean <laughs> like i'm making i'm making the rage because i feel like it has something interesting to say you know like i'm trying to say something whether or not i'm going to succeed at saying it that's going to be another that's another thing that's why that movie is being made it's not just because i wanted to it's because I think there's something to be said there. I really feel like I can maybe make something that'll connect with people. Yeah, I remember when I first started out making movies, I had so many ideas. You know, there're like too many ideas. Which one do I which one do I want to do? And then I ended up just making one. The more I do it though, the harder and harder it is to come up with the next idea that's going to beat everything that I've done before. And that's kind of where I'm at with my feature film too. It's like I have some screenplays that are, you know, they're probably okay. They're not great, but I don't want to just make an okay movie. I want to make something that surpasses like what I've been doing with my short film. So it's a little bit of agony and trying to figure out exactly why they're not great yet and, and crack that and figure it out so I can really go after it confidently. Because I feel like I'm not going to be able to do that big two or three year long push to make a feature if I don't 100% believe that it's something I have to do. And right now I don't have the script in my hand that I'm 100% feel like I have to tell the story. I think I'm close on a few things, but I'm not there yet. So that's kind of where I'm yeah, at. Yeah, but how's Hot Hunted Toy House coming along? What's the status with that one? So we've rewritten it, rewritten it one more time. Um, the first 50 pages got a lot better. 
but the last 50 pages took a step back. And I'm right now so lost in the weeds with it because I was having so many back and forths with the writer about how how everything works and him and I don't see eye to eye on the supernatural stuff. So I kind of lost now at this point. Like what what was the movie that I was trying to make? What what was the original idea that I was excited about? So I'm trying to I'm I'm wrestling with it a little bit right now and trying to figure out like what is it that's missing from this new script that I need to get back in there and is it something that I need to do myself or do I need to find another writer or is it just I need to sit down and talk to the writer that's writing it now and just be like hey this is the movie we got to make otherwise I'm not interested and just be willing to walk away I'm not sure I'm not sure what the next step I mean is. is it something as simple where you could like take the first 50 pages and the 50 pages you liked from the previous version and mix them or are things so different that you can't you can't put them together well the 50 pages i like from the other version were never perfect they were they were better but they weren't they still weren't what i wanted right. that's why we were rewriting right it. but i mean maybe if you cobble together those two versions and then maybe you can work from there to create something else that's that's even better you know yeah maybe maybe i'm not sure yet but again you also have your writer to, to consider because you, you don't really have complete freedom to do anything you want with it right you have to it's like a collaboration it's a collaboration. He technically owns the property until we sell it to somebody. But I'm not sure like how much he's going to fight if... Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly like how much he's going to fight me on what the finished script looks like and if it's a movie he wants to make or if he's more interested in getting his name on a movie. It's hard mm. to say. But because because I don't have the... Because once I've... Once I've gone out there and tried to sell it, if I don't sell the version that he wants or that he's happy with, then he could always not take the deal. So there's always the risk that even if I rewrite it and I sell it to somebody and it's a movie that I really want to make, if it's not the movie he wants to make, he could definitely kill it. He has that man, power. Man, that's too much power, man. That's a lot of yeah, power. I, I would not be comfortable with that amount of power. Given to the writer that I hired to make the movie that I want to make, it's like, that's just scary, you know? Yeah. Well, if you want total power, you have to just do everything yourself. Yeah. I don't know, man. For better or for worse, that's what I'm trying right now. I mean, I, I'm the first one to admit that I'm not the, you know, I, I mean, I feel like my writing's okay, but like, you know, I feel like I would benefit from having a an experienced writer be a part of a team with me, you know, and, and maybe one day I'll have that and maybe I'll even have that on the alternate. But, uh, for right now, it just, it's the only feasible way for me to get things done is to do it on my own as you know? So, yeah. One thing that gave me some encouragement is uh, I've been reading, was it William Goldman's book about the Hollywood industry? The, the famous nice. one. Um, and he was talking about the verdict with Paul Newman and like the history of that project and how they had three really good writers write versions of that script throughout the process. David Mamet started with the first one. And at the time it was Robert Redford was attached and he didn't like the script. And so they hired another writer to do it. And then he wrote it and Robert Redford still didn't like the script. So the project fell apart. And then Sidney Lumet came at, uh, or actually another director then came on and he hired another writer to write a version of the script. So they had three drafts of the script before Sidney Lumet even signed wow, on. Wow, crazy. 
through through those three drafts from really really good writers it just never materialized as a movie finally Sidney Lumet read all three drafts and he said oh I like the the Mamet version so let's do that and they hired David Mamet again and he said here's here's the problem you just forgot to put an ending on it and so he knew how to fix it and so then it all came together and, and made a movie that I actually haven't seen, but I heard is yeah, great. Yeah, I don't think I've seen The Verdict either, um, but I've also heard it's great. So yeah, I should definitely check that out. Um, so hearing that made me feel like, all right, well, this is probably like a common thing. Like it's not, I think just when you're doing a creative process and you're working with other people, there's just going to be times when you're just not suited for each other. And it has nothing to do with like Mark probably could go find another director that was really happy with the script, but I'm the director at this moment, so I want to make it a certain way. And so, unless we're completely seeing eye to eye, it's I think it's always going to be hard for us to be like 100% on the same page. So now we're in a situation where I just need to feel out and find out from him. It's like, how much do you really want to keep working on this with me, or are you comfortable with me just like taking it and trying to figure out what? what I need to do to make it great. Yeah. That'd be interesting to, to hear how, how he feels about it. You know, what, what does yeah. he want out of the project at this point? Is he just committed to getting it done or is he like ready to, to, you know, send it off and let it have life with someone else or just, yeah, whatever. I get the feeling he's kind of done with it. He's burned out. Mm. So we'll it's see. really interesting. Cause like, I, I was just thinking about, first features and how first features get made these days i don't know about how it was in the past but it feels like these days your first feature gets made because you have a crazy amount of passion for it and you just drive it forward however you can and you self you raise the money yourself you get it all going yourself you hire a producer and then boom you're off to the races you're making a movie so like that whole process of like, you know, self-reflecting on the script and like, you know, really making sure it's perfect and all that stuff. Like maybe that happens through the director, writer, director, but I kind of feel like it's got to be like a really emotional based system for you as, as the writer director. So you're just like trying to get it done as best you can. And you're putting all the work. You're, I'm not saying that you don't rewrite and put tons of drafts and all that stuff as, as the writer director, but you're not answering to a committee necessarily, you know? And even when right. you hire, just you, you. you're just answering to yourself. You raise the money through, you know, whatever, friends and family, investors, whoever you, however you can get the money. And it's like, you're probably not even answering to them for the script. They're probably trusting you as a filmmaker that you're making the right choices. And then once you have your money together, you're hiring your producer. Maybe that producer is providing feedback and, and, and cautioning you on like, oh, okay, well, the script's not done yet. May, or maybe you need to rewrite this or that or whatever. But maybe they're not doing that. Maybe they're just taking the script that you present them and they're like, okay, now it's my job to get this movie made. This whole process that you're talking about with the verdict, like I just don't think that really happens with indie films at the level that we're at, you know? No, because there's no money behind it. You can't. You don't have the money to hire three different writers to to write it and get different actors and different directors attached. You you almost have one shot to make it happen. And the stories that I hear about indie filmmaking is that you put the put a package together and either it materializes or it doesn't. And I've just heard so many stories about film films that have gotten funded and then the funding fell through and then it just died and then nothing ever happened with it again because it's it's so hard just to get to the point where it's funded that if it all falls apart for any reason, it's hard to put it back together. 
I've heard three stories about this at this yeah, point. Yeah, I I just kind of feel like like m- maybe out of the nature of what what we're trying to do as first time independent filmmakers that like you can't really have that kind of lens. They're that kind of focus on script, you know, that you just need to because if you keep on focusing and worrying about it being perfect and like oh it's not it's you know not good enough yet or whatever whatever maybe you just do that forever and you would never make the movie. But like at some point <laughs> you just have to be right. like this is the movie I'm making. It's done, and then you have to put that. That, like wild ferocious like enthusiasm behind it in order to raise the money and get it done because if you think like the William Goldman like David Mamet way then nothing will happen you know actually I don't even want it to be perfect I just want it to be in a place where I feel confident I can make a good movie from it right so during the process of making the movie I'll be able to tweak it and make it more and more perfect. It'll never be perfect, of course, but I wanted to get to a place where like the story that it's telling and the the fun supernatural elements of it are like things that I'm like super excited to bring into the world and it's not quite there yet. There's some there's a few instances, but it's not enough yet to where I'm like, yes, this movie has to be made. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I guess I feel the same way about the alternate. I still feel like there's there's a lot of things I want to be to be better about it, you know, like character moments, story moments, like plot moments, just like I want more juice, you know, more more juicy meat to give to the audience. And I feel like there's like there's lots of juicy fun things in there now, but there could be even more. I think they're all going to come just from finding the characters and just being true to the story and true to, to the people. And I don't know, I'm excited to, to take that challenge on this week. And I mean, I've already started, but I got to just go I become page like 30 or something. I have to just keep on going and, you know, rewrite the whole thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I think your point's a good one that a screenplay is just a screenplay and it's not a movie until it's finished. And along the way, there's so many things that are going to make it better and and different from what you've written. And one of those things that's huge is casting. Yeah. Just putting faces and voices to the characters that are on the page is going to change things and locations and art direction and visual effects and sound design and music. So it becomes a different thing. And you can hold the screenplay precious, but the screenplay really is just a a written version of what the movie potentially could be, but it will be. Yeah. I I have a new, speaking of cast, I have a new uh, idea of who I want my lead to be now. And it's, it's pie in the sky, of course, but uh, I think Anthony Mackie would be an amazing lead, amazing Jake in the alternate. Um, Anthony Mackie. Let's see. Pulling him up. um, Yeah. He's the Falcon. Oh yeah. uh, I like this guy, you know, Captain America. It's interesting because he like always playing like a side character, you know, like a, a supporting character or something like that, you know, but he's, I don't think he's really ever been a, the lead in anything or at least not often. So I kind of feel like maybe he'll be open to it because it's a lead role. And then also because mm-hmm. it's such a complicated role and he's usually sort of like the more kind of like the Will Smith type character, like sort of like, you know, positive comic, comic relief. relief, but like you know, sort of have fun with it, but like, you know, really like wholesome in the end, you know, Mm -hmm. like always that kind of dependable, but fun, nice character that you can rely on. Like, I think he usually plays that kind of character. Maybe he plays different characters I don't know about, but I mean, you know, I think this will be really fun because he gets to be the lead and then he gets to have like, you know, this one twisted side and this other like really completely different side to him. So I think it would be, it'd be a really fun role for him to take on. Yeah, it's kind of up to him whether or not whether or not he wants something yeah, different. Yeah, so Anthony Mackie, if you're out there, I want you to star in my sci-fi um, <laughs> uh, thriller. Uh, so please, nice. you should do it. 
Well, let's wrap this up. Yes. What else do you want to say? You get one minute to say whatever you want. Um, I don't know, man. I, I just, I guess I feel like I'm a filmmaker for life. You know, like they say writer for life, uh, RFL or whatever. Um, I'm a, uh, filmmaker for, what is that? FFL? FFL, man. <laughs> you know, like I just, like I'm not always going to be able to do it a hundred, like full time or even as much as I'm doing now. Like, you know, maybe I'm going to have to get a full time job at some point and like provide for my family or whatever. You know, maybe I'll get lucky and maybe I'll be able to get paid to make narrative movies. You know, we'll see. But I mean, either way, like I'm always going to be telling stories and making movies. It's just like, I'm never going to give up, basically. Like, I'm always going to do this. Just to what extent I'm going to be doing it is the question, you know? But it's fun to, like, you know, take the ups and the downs as they come and learn from the mistakes you make or learn from the downs, you know, and try to make sure that the next time you make a movie that it's it's more positive or, you know, you're getting the results you want. I also think realizing that you're never... You're not always, and you may never get the results that you want. Don't think about the results in that as, as being the goal. Think about the movie as the goal, you know, and the, the, the journey as the goal, you know, and if you think in that way, I think you'll be okay. Nice. Cool. Well, why don't you plug brother and then take us okay. out? You don't have anything to share this week? No, I, we need to wrap it up. We're, we're way over wrap, time. Wrap it up. Wrap, wrap it, it up. up. Come on, wrap it Everybody, up. Everybody, watch Brother. Shh. The producer right now is going like this. He's, <laughs> with his bigger. fingers, like, come on, guys. Yeah, so everybody, watch Brother. And, and more importantly than just watching it, I mean, you all should watch it, obviously. But also, liking it on Vimeo is huge. Like, don't even need to worry about liking it on Facebook. Just like the Vimeo link and share it with at least one person. And if you do that, I'll be your friend forever. Um, oh, and I'm gonna, so I'm still doing t-shirts, but then someone told me the other day that like, oh, well, some people don't like wearing red. So maybe we should look into some other colors, um, besides red for the t-shirts. So I think I'm going to go down to the t-shirt shop and have them print one out. That's black with red, um, a red graphic and just see what that looks like. And then, um, I'll take a picture of me wearing that one. And then I'll be like, Hey, who wants black and red and who wants red with black graphic? So, and then you guys can let me know what what you want and I'll order them for you. But uh, I don't think I got any orders since last week when I said I, <laughs> $15 for a t-shirt. So if you do want one, you better tell me soon because I'm going to order them soon. And if you don't tell me, no one gets one except, except very few people. So, you know, that's that. Um, and I guess uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening. Also, thanks to Cameron for editing this week. Oh, Cameron's editing this week? Hooray. Yeah. Wait, wow. He's going to edit? He's got like a day. I know. I asked him. He said, yeah, I'll do Holy it. Holy moly. You're a lucky man. Um, I was I was in this exact <laughs> same position as, as what I thought you were going to be in last week. I had to edit like Saturday afternoon. Um, yeah. Got it done. But, uh, but anyways, yeah, thank you, Cameron, for editing. And I hope you edit more episodes in the future. That'll be nice. But yeah, thank. And then thank you all for listening to the show. You can check out our website at makingmoviesishard.com or you can subscribe to our show notes and share your thoughts on this episode. Or you can send us an email at podcast at makingmoviesishard.com and we'll share that on the show. Or you can also send an email there to let me know if you want a t-shirt or not. So podcast at makingmoviesishard.com. And then if you really like the show, just tell a friend. I mean, that's probably the most important thing you could do. Or you could tweet us out or share us on Facebook. And just help us get the word out on the show so we can reach more people and get more 
get more people listening to us and, you know, get more people talking with us and, you know, expand the discussion, expand the conversation. So thank you so much, Timothy, for another great episode. Thanks, Ulrich. And uh, yeah, everyone have a wonderful week. Talk to you guys later. Sweet. Sweet.